0: Hey y'all, it's Io here from Noodle Nook, and I help teachers survive and thrive in special education. In this video, I'm talking with Dr. Jennifer Cooper Scott about teacher stress and anxiety, especially in special ed. And we're gonna share with you the essential steps that you need to take to help manage anxiety and stress in your life. All right, without further ado, let's get started. (music)
1: I'm so excited today to welcome Dr. Scott on the show. And we're going to talk about teacher burnout and stress. And let's face it, there is no better time for talking about that than right now. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Dr. Scott, how are you?
2: Hi, Io. How are you? I'm doing well.
1: I'm doing good. I think all things considered, (laughs) that's doing pretty good. I agree. I am so excited to have you on today because we have just had so many people trying to figure out how to deal with stress and burnout, and I think that that is something that happens all the time for special ed teachers, but it's no more poignant than right now. So, I'm so excited to have you here today. Well, thank
2: you for having me today. I am super excited to be here as well. I love to talk about teacher burnout because it is a huge subject that needs a lot of recognition.
1: I completely agree. Well, so why don't you go ahead and give us a quick introduction of yourself?
2: Uh, I am Dr. Jennifer Cooper Scott. I have an EDD in special education that I got from North Central University. Go NCU, fam. I have been in (laughs) education for a good 10 years, and I started out as a life skills Parent educator in the Burleson, Texas
1: area. I'm going to pause for a second because yes, you heard that right. Started off as a life field parent so educator and now is Dr. Scott. Yes, ma'am. That is correct. <laughs>
2: And just 10 years ago, I started out as a life skills paraeducator and then just went all the way um, up to being a doctor. And it's just a huge passion of mine. You know, when I started out in education, I, I didn't know where I was going. I was lost. I didn't have a career. I didn't know anything. And the moment I went into that 18 plus transition classroom and I started working with those uh, adults that were going into the community I knew that's where I needed to go so I got back into school I finished my bachelor's my master's and my doctorate
1: well I'm glad that you found your passion because I think that now you have an opportunity to really pay it forward to people to really not only understand the importance of transition and transition programming for students with disabilities but also help teachers who are in the classroom trying to navigate and figure out how to deal with their own emotional health and and feeling a purpose. So I'm yes. so glad that you found that journey and, and passion.
2: I am too. Thank you. It has been a long journey, and there has been a lot of ups and downs, and bumps and bruises along the way. But my passion and my goal is to help those educators through those bumps and bruises, and that's what I really wanted to to, to talk about today: how they can recognize it and figure it out and get get through it. Because you can. Yeah.
1: You can get through. Yeah. It. Well, definitely, You can definitely get through it. And like I said, you know. Teacher stress for specialized teachers specifically is always something that seems very pervasive. I mean, when we talk about teacher retention and teacher turnover, special education teachers turn over about 25% of total special ed teachers turnover every year. A quarter of our teachers are like, I am done. And one of the top reasons is because they don't feel supported. They don't feel like they are able to do what we've asked them to do in a proficient manner they are stressed out in the classroom and they're dealing with behaviors that they just don't feel like they are competent or proficient at dealing with and all those things just drive out our fed teachers that we we need in the classroom because we're always facing shortages so having really good strategies to cope with stress oh my gosh we just need that it's funny you
2: said that because those are all the factors of burnout that when i did my dissertation those were the main factors of burnout, lack of administrator support, the amount of paperwork and behaviors in the classroom. That was, those were the top three, you know, things that, that I spoke about. Um, so yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there.
1: Well, and I think a lot of the, you know, socially the conversation I was always revolving around like we need to pay teachers more in order to keep them in the classroom. Like if we, if we gave them more financial incentive, they would say, but we actually find that financial incentive is really low on the list of reasons why teachers lose a classroom. It's, it's really near the bottom. The top reasons are the ones we just said, and that really revolves around that feeling of non-support and anxiety and stress. Those are things that, I mean, you can't buy your way out of those feelings, and it makes it very hard to stay in a position like the one we're talking about
2: yeah no amount of money is going to help an educator you know stay in in the profession if they're burnt out you know they're they're gonna their health is gonna suffer for sure
1: yeah i absolutely agree which is all the more reason to get to some strategies that a teacher can use if they're feeling stressed out or burnt out and we did a video not too long ago that talked about teacher burnout and teacher stress and that was one of the more popular videos that ended up on the channel because i think there are a lot of people who are trying to figure this out so let's go ahead and get started what kind of advice can you offer for a teacher who's feeling feeling burnout
2: well first thing we have to do is we have to recognize what is burnout what is it what causes it so when i was going through all of my research and trying to figure out what what really is burnout um, a couple of the things that that my participants stated is one their sleep habit they're not sleeping well their sleep habit is off um they're up you know till midnight one o'clock doing paperwork or doing lesson planning, and they're just not getting that sleep. they're sick all the time. you know they have a cold, they get the flu their their stomach issues um, so they're they're really sick all the time, irritable you know they get irritable mm-hmm. at the smallest little things uh over emotional at things feeling overwhelmed at the slightest thing just going driving to work overwhelms them you know um lacking the desire to do anything when you get home you have a long day you just don't want to deal with people you don't want to come home or you don't want to do anything when you get home and then the sudden onset of anxiety you know i never had anxiety before i never knew what it was i never knew um, what caused it, and then, you know, after my experience um, in in the classroom, there was an incident in my classroom I got hurt, that sudden onset of anxiety filled me up. That's part of burnout, you know, all of these symptoms. Now, it may look different for other people. You may experience different symptoms, but the first thing we need to do is recognize that you have it. Once you recognize you're going through that period of burnout, then we can start working on things
1: to deal with that burnout. And there's a couple different things that you said there, because I know from reading health and nutrition books, that there's a really deep and deep connection between your sleep cycles and your overall mental health, physical health, stamina, feelings of anxiety. So if you start to see that you are not sleeping well, I can guarantee you that that is a snowball that will get bigger and bigger and start to invade the other parts of your life. And it is definitely a symptom of teacher stress and teacher burnout. So yeah, I completely agree with all of the signs that you said, and that does manifest differently. But I know for a fact that if your sleeping patterns start to get seriously disrupted, that you are going to start to feel all the other things that you said in a more amplified manner.
2: Right. Cause if you're not getting enough sleep, your body's not resting, your body heals itself when it rests. That's what my doctor told me when I was going through it. If you're not getting that rest that your body needs, you're going to be sick all the time. So, you need to have that, that sleep cycle. And we'll talk about that here in a minute when we get into self care during burnout.
1: Well, so you had talked a little bit about the feeling of anxiety as well in terms of being in a classroom and possibly not only dealing with challenging behaviors, but possibly being injured in the classroom while trying to do your job um, and having that overall sense of anxiety. Can you elaborate a little bit too of what that sense of anxiety might feel like in, in a teacher?
2: Sure. When I uh, got hurt in my classroom, it was just um, the feeling of, like I said, being overwhelmed. I would get these sensations in driving to work, I would get these sensations in my chest. So it would start in my chest or it would start in my feet. It was a hot, burning sensation. It would just go all the way up to my body. And then I would just start excessively crying. Um, Before I even even got to work. And I talk about it a lot in in my book, Teaching with Anxiety, because it was something that really was a turning point for me because I didn't realize what was going on with me in my classroom until I got hurt and then had to step back and I was out on leave for a little bit once I took that step back out of the classroom, I realized what was going on and I realized how it was affecting me emotionally and how it was affecting me physically, you know? Um, And it's unfortunate that you have to go through something like that to, to figure it out. But I'm so passionate about my teaching that I didn't want to, to
1: leave. And that that sense of guilt too, I think feeds into it as well. This the feeling like you can't step back and it's, You can't change what's going on because you're so dedicated to the kids and and because you feel a sense of obligation and kind of guilt about possibly not being there or doing everything you need to do, but taking a mental health day and taking a step back, those things are are really important.
2: Right, and I believe that mental health days need to be included in uh, teacher plans because I feel like we don't have, you know, we have sick days and we have personal days but we need those extra mental days when we're dealing with things, especially if you are a special education teacher and you are constantly dealing with extreme behaviors in your classroom. You and I both know restraining a kid is exhausting, and it takes a <laughs> yeah, lot.
1: It's emotionally exhausting. just as much as physically exhausting.
2: Yeah. And I don't think people realize that as educators when we're, we don't want to do that. We don't want to restrain a kid. That is not something that we go in the classroom. Oh yeah, we're, we're just going to go ahead and restrain today. That's not something we want to do. It is emotionally and physically exhausting, not only for us as educators, but for the student as well. And that puts,
1: you know, a lot of pressure on us, so. Yeah, and and there are teachers who are in classrooms where, you know, they might not ever do a restraint for an entire year, but they might be hit or pinched or poked or prodded hundreds of times a week. And that really, like, it's it's, it's almost like post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, like you really are getting traumatized by this repeated abuse going back into the classroom every day. And I think that speaks to the anxiety that you were feeling too, like that anxiety of going back to that environment where you know that you are going to be pushed or poked or prodded or have to deal with someone who screams for the majority of the day or requires intensive behavior modifications. Those are all false, so stressful. Right. I know I have gone to do teacher support and I've walked into classrooms where teachers can see me and just burst into tears. Yeah. <laughs> teacher edge yeah
2: i and i've been there i've been that teacher that just bursts into tears because of you know and it, it's a lot of stress and that's why i really feel that districts need to start implementing some some type of professional development on mental health of their educators we are taught over and over and over again about how we are supposed to deal with the mental health of our students but what are we doing for our educators for their mental health, for their being. And that's what we need to start working on.
1: I think you can take those strategies too. Like if a teacher is really well-equipped with how to deal with stress, that becomes a strategy that they can offer their students in the classroom. So now here we are helping our students to learn how to better manage their emotions and better deal with stress, which helps everyone in the long run. So I really love that idea of taking time to include that in professional development.
2: Right. Correct. And that was going to be my next point. You know, we can't be hundred percent for our students if we're not hundred percent ourselves. And that's what we need mm-hmm. to work on changing. Our mindset in special education, our mindset needs to change and it needs to change from the top, you know, teachers can go in and they can do all these things that, that they do on their own, but it's not going to help if they don't have any help at the top level. So as a district, you need to look at putting together professional developments for those mental health. You know, I know right now we're in crazy times with online teaching, and and to me, this is the opportune time to look at how you're helping your teachers get through this what are you doing to help prevent burnout what are you doing to help prevent you know or ease some of the stress
1: absolutely i've heard a lot of teachers talk about this move to digital learning like they could manage it for this time that we've managed it but the idea of going back in the fall and having a possibility of a second wave or a second um, episode where we have to do some distance learning just is Overwhelming to even think about. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here to do some more supportive um, practices with teachers because we don't know what's coming down the pipeline.
2: Right, and we don't. And online education is totally different than in classroom education.
1: There is a lot that goes into it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and especially for students with disabilities, like that, it's almost like a career switch. The things that you've been doing in your face to face classroom don't transfer to digital and online learning as smoothly in special ed so
2: that's a whole whole different podcast podcast.
1: (laughs) but i completely agree with you well and there was something else that you were talking about that i really kind of wanted to circle back to a little bit was this idea that we have so many teachers that come into special ed classrooms through alternative certification or through very short intensive training programs and There, I mean, I'm an alternative certification teacher, so there's no judgment here, but there are a lot of people who come in who are are so ill-equipped to deal with the wide range of academic needs, behaviors, um, processing of paperwork of the job in general, that on top of that, they're not getting any kind of guidance or support or instruction on how to deal with stress of students and stress of staff and teachers. Mm-hmm. That we really do see that people coming into the classroom through alternative certification or our first year teachers burn out the fastest. the turnover rate for new teachers is insane
2: yeah, you tend to burn out within the first two or three years, and that that's crazy and that goes back to um, looking into that professional development for those educators you know what what I know when I uh, started teaching, I worked in two different districts, and I can tell you both districts were very good about providing training in curriculum, in technology, um, in everything along those lines, but I never got training on mental health for me, for educators. And I think that is so important. I cannot stress enough to districts how important that is to get that into your professional development. And I'm not talking about at a, at just at a campus level because your, your campus can put in whatever kind of training they want. I'm talking about a district level training for educators and it doesn't have to just be special education. My topic was special education because that's what I was in. But educators all around the world are in periods of burnout that need to know how to cope with their mental health so that they can be better teachers in the classroom and give hundred percent. And I
1: think our paraeducators as well.
2: Absolutely. And I go, and I think I talk about that in one of my books too, how important the training is for paraeducators and not just making the, the teacher train those parents. Teachers have enough to do without having to, add that additional thing to train their para educators. We don't have time and it stresses our paras out to be trained on the fly, which is a lot of times I've seen it, how, how it's done. You're, you throw a para in a classroom and you're like, okay, here's your teacher, she's gonna teach you everything, okay? <laughs> When am I going to have time? And a lot of times
1: that teacher is still trying to figure it out themselves. <laughs>
2: exactly. And then that puts an extra amount of stress on both of those adults in the classroom. We can't
1: say enough to talk about how hard it is for our paraeducators to do the job that we'd ask them to do. Not only do we not compensate them monetarily, but then we really do a poor job of giving them the training that they need to be successful and have very high expectations for their performance without any kind of monetary reward. So it really does need to be included, like you said, in district level training and a district level initiative to get those people, um, not only to feel comfortable, but be able to deal with the classroom situation and personal anxiety much more efficiently.
2: They need to feel like they are a part of the team. They need to feel like they are educated just like we are. So when you go to train, train your paras too. Don't don't leave them out of the training and don't expect your teachers to provide that training on the fly. That stresses them out. That's part of, you know, that burnout and stress that they don't really need.
1: Absolutely. So when it comes to dealing with stress and anxiety and burnout in the classroom, I'm going to kind of come back around and just the number one thing that you need to do is to be able to recognize the that you are having stress and that you are having burnout um after you kind of recognize those things in yourself where do you go from there
2: okay so after you recognize it you're in a period of burnout you can um add in some exercise into your day part of self-
1: nobody tre- wants to hear that exercise <laughs> <What>? oh and <laughs> my around all day counts right
2: <laughs> well cleaning your house counts but um part part of the thing that i talked to my doctor about was the fact that i was so tired when i got home I didn't want to do anything. I didn't have any energy to do anything. And the one thing that she said to me is, you have to get out. You have to walk. You have to swim. You go for a run. You know, do something that you can do that, that you're
1: happy doing, but get some sort of exercise. Part of that is we do, you know, we, we feel like we're so high energy and high level all day at work. Um, But it is a very, you know, and we do come home exhausted, but it's a very kind of singular type of activity that we're getting at work. It is really important to incorporate something else. And I've found, too, that if you wait until the end of your day, you're not going to get to it because you feel so exhausted mentally and physically when you come home. But if you can incorporate that earlier in your day or during your lunch break, you're a little more likely to stick with it.
2: The next thing is do some sort of meditation. Are you a yoga person? Do you just sit in a dark room with some candles and, you know, put on some calming music and just use some breathing techniques? You know, we talk about to our students how to breathe and how to keep calm. And, you know, we need to take some of those techniques that we use in our classroom and we need to apply them to what we're doing to ourselves. So meditate, do yoga, you know, sit in a, in a room and just read relax. You have to start relaxing. It's very important. And I know I've talked to some teachers who say, you know what, I'm sitting in a room and I'm trying to relax. And I have all this stuff going through my mind. I have 18 IEPs I got to get done. I have this going on. I have that going on. Okay. You need to train yourself to shut that off for
1: 30 minutes. Take Start with 30 minutes and training. I mean, you can start with much less than that. I've, I've suggested to teachers along the way that when they get home and car from the driveway, they turn it off and for five minutes, sit in a quiet car all by themselves, right. And the only thing they need to do for that five minutes is just breathe in and breathe out. And the only thing they should be thinking about is breathing in and blowing it out of a balloon. That right. is all that they should be thinking about to clear their head, And even five minutes can make a difference. Right.
2: And that's so important because a lot of teachers have families that they have to go run into and they have to get kids in the bath and they have to do homework and they have to get dinner made and they have all of these other layers of stress and anxiety. So, yeah, they need that time. And you just you have to start doing things for yourself.
1: This is like moms end up in their closet or hiding in the bathroom with <laughs> yes. their people exactly. meditation moment.
2: Exactly. Now this next one I know is not going to be very popular and it was very difficult for me to do, but my doctor stressed how important it is. And that is to lower your caffeine level. And yes, I said it, lower your caffeine level. He said that caffeine increases your fight or flight behaviors. So if you're drinking eight cups of coffee a day, cut it in half, try four cups of coffee a day. You know, I was the type of person who I drank a cup of coffee in the morning and then I had four or five Dr. peppers throughout the day. So that did not help. You know, that caffeine is going to increase your anxiety. So cut it, it back. It's
1: so counterintuitive because you feel tired and you feel kind of exhausted and you want to have that liquid beverage. You want to have that drink to kind of go to, but I do have to agree with you that the caffeine and and I'm a, recovering coca-cola addict myself (laughs) i in the classroom would go through a ridiculous number of coke a day Mm -hmm. Um, but giving that up really does change not only how you gain weight and your your overall physical health but that caffeine that that is the caffeine and sugar is some serious business Mm -hmm.
2: it was a huge change for me and i my body went through some some very hard physical things when I was trying to do this, and it, it was because I had headaches all the time. Um, I got nauseous, and you know, but I pushed through oh, me it. too.
1: Yep. But to to know that your body detoxes that hard really is an indication of how how impactful that sugar, that caffeine, that that mm-hmm. is having on your system because you detox so hard.
2: So the important thing is to eat healthy. You want to make sure that you're instead of buying chips. And candy bars and cokes, go buy fruits and vegetables and water. So it's important that not only you take care of your eating habits and your drinking habits, but the next one we've already really talked about, and that's that getting that good rest. So if you're eating and, and having those healthy habits, your sleep habit is going to be better. When I was going through all of this, my doctor told me that you need to create a sleep habit that you do every single day. And what she meant by that was you need to go to bed at the same time every single day. I had a bad habit of going to bed at 9 p.m. and then the next day going to bed at 6 p.m. because I was so exhausted and then the next day going to bed at midnight because I had so much paperwork to do. You have to train, retrain yourself. Go to bed at the same time every single night
1: the weekend that includes and i think that's hard for people too It's like oh no on the weekend i usually wake up at six but on the weekend i actually till like noon and it's like no right
2: none of these techniques that i'm telling you are going to be easy for you to do but you have to you have to start doing
1: that you might find too that you know we were talking about some strategies earlier about meditation and getting some exercise and it might be for you that that's part of your going to bed routine maybe you sit and you do a little bit of meditation for five or ten minutes before you go to bed or a little bit of yoga right before bed just to try to clear out your mind
2: right starting this you know to to me you need to start small you know don't try all these techniques at one time you're going to overwhelm yourself Pick something that you know you can start with and start small and do it. And then just add to it as you go. You know, you need a support system too. Find a group, find a friend, find a church, find an online community, find somebody that's going to help you, whether it's a counselor, you know, another teacher, you know, somebody to help you through this. In um, my book, Teaching with Anxiety, I have in the back. It's a coupon for an online counseling program that they're giving away with the, the link. Uh, one month of online counseling for anybody who has the wow. link. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know,
1: I also suggest that you don't try to find solace in your co-teachers um, because sometimes what we see is that when you are trying to express your anxiety or frustration with the people that you work with every day. It starts to create this subculture of or sub feeling of uh, of disdain for your job. That right. People start to it breeds this negativity in the work environment, and sometimes that's not healthy. So I love that you went to an online group or through, through online counseling, a church group, just something that's not quite so close to you in your bubble like a spouse and coworker.
2: And the final thing I want to say um, about your self care. If you try these techniques and you feel that you are still snowballing down the hill, you need to get professional help. Do not wait. It is very important for your mental health. Seek that professional help. You are not a bad person. If you ask for help, you are, you know, you can't be 100 percent for your students if you're not 100 percent yourself. And I am big on that get the help that you need. It's very important for you to do that. So seek that professional help. And you know, everybody's um, self-care is going to be different. You know, not everybody wants to meditate. Not everybody wants to do yoga. Um, Not everybody wants to exercise, (laughs) but find Mm -hmm. your niche, find something that you are, that will help you Relieve the stress.
1: Whether you're feeling stress at this very moment or not, or whether you're feeling anxiety or not at this very moment, pick one of those things, just one of the things that Dr. Scott talked about, and figure out a way to implement it. Is it cutting down on the soda and caffeine and increasing the water intake? Is it finding 10 minutes to do some meditation or setting aside 30 minutes for exercise every day? Find one thing that she just said that you can implement in your own life now is a great time to start, but those small steps really snowball pretty quickly. And you'll start to see that you feel like doing more because that anxious feeling is going away, that feeling of stress is going away, and you do want to take better care of yourself and your mental health.
2: Right. And it's a long process. It really is. It's not going to happen overnight. So be patient with yourself. You know, give yourself time to change. You know, you can't change student behavior overnight and you're not going to change your behavior and patterns overnight either. Just recognize that. But take, take, care, take care of yourself. You know, you need you are important. We do important work and everybody in that classroom, and everybody on that campus is important and you need to take care of yourself. It's, it's
1: important to do that. Well, I had a question from one of our um, listeners uh, from Lori who was talking about this last year has been really hard and she's totally burnt out. And what can she do to take care of herself and feel ready for next year? But I feel like we've really hit on that already. I I should have picked a different question because (laughs) you've done such a good job of outlining ways to be proactive about managing your burnout and stress. Are there any last tips that you'd like to give somebody who is already at this point feeling like, how am I going to get started next year?
2: Well, and I think I am so glad you asked that question because we have covered so many things, but I am so proud of her for recognizing that she is in that state. That is the very first step. The second thing that I would ask her to do is to take some time off this summer and and really put one or two of these things into place before you start worrying about next year. I understand and I know that we are in difficult times. I know there is so much up in the air that we don't understand, that we don't know about, we don't know which direction we're going, but I think she should really take the time to work on herself first. Put some of these self-care techniques into place, start out small and get started, and then once she feels like she is in a spot where she can start working on next year, then put a plan together. if you're already burned out and you're starting to stress about next year already, you're gonna be in more burnout. So don't stress.
1: And Lori, I just wanna tell you too, I, cause I know so many teachers who do this, who have bring home things over the summer that they wanna work on for their classroom in the fall, whether that be printing, laminating, cutting and Velcroing, or if it's doing um, some other kind of professional development and learning that they take on a really large responsibility that they want to make the summer as productive as possible. But anyone else who's listening, I just you, Lori, know that part of why we have this time is because we've, we've taxed ourselves and our emotional state and our physical state so much during the school year. We need this recuperation time. It is okay to say, you know what? For a week or two weeks or a month of summer vacation, I'm not going to work on anything for school. Yes, read books for read them for leisure. Um, do things that you find fun and enjoyable and relaxing because this is really meant for it to be time for you to recharge. Um, and the second thing I wanted to put back in here too for you, Lori, is the little changes that you make now will stick with you in the fall. Mm-hmm. I know I wanted to make a little bit more conscious effort to do some yoga and stretching in the morning when I woke up. So I started rolling out my yoga mat right next to my bed so that when I got up, I literally had to step on my mat in order to go to the bathroom and start my day. But it was this automatic reminder that, yes, when I get up, I'm going to go use the bathroom. I'm going to go and do my stretches and get that 10 minutes of yoga out of the way and get that kind of centered. And I've noticed a change. So implementing those small things now will actually help better prepare you to be less stressed and feel less anxiety come fall. Right, and I agree. So I really appreciate all of the tips that you've given for our listeners and watchers today because I I can't tell you – I. I think we're all in some state of stress and anxiety just because of the nature of our job.
2: And I'm so happy to be here, Iowa. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited. This is a huge uh, passion of mine is to get the word out on teacher burnout, um, especially in special education. Hopefully we can uh, make some positive changes within special education. And that's my whole goal, to make sure those teachers are okay and make sure that they can do their job that they love and, and right. be healthy it
1: well before you go I always like to like to ask everyone who comes on if they have any book recommendations what are you reading right now do you have anything that you think any books that you think will help
2: well I have three books out myself um, that I have written and when I um, graduated with my doctorate, I had no idea what I was going to do so I took the summer and just um, wrote out three books and I think a lot of these these books will help
1: <laughs> you just took a summer and wrote three books.
2: Oh my God! <laughs> I did hope that they help with some of the things that we've talked about, you know, and and I'm just hoping that they they make a difference in someone's life, you know.
1: Well, those I will are, put all three of those books in show notes. So if anybody out there is looking for a way to continue this conversation or continue their journey as they're working through stress stress and anxiety in a special ed classroom. Definitely check out one of those three books and see if it can help you as you're trying to navigate your your personal situation. Is there any other way that somebody can connect if they wanna continue the conversation or relationship? Right, I have a Facebook
2: group for teachers. It's called the ABCs of Special Education and um, they can request to be on that and they can always email me or message me through that as well.
1: I have had such a great time talking, you to, the, talking to you today, Dr. Scott. It has been a true pleasure. I think that there are so many people who could benefit from the information that we've shared. And I just want to kind of close by letting teachers know that it is okay if you are a special ed teacher or a general ed teacher anywhere, it is okay to feel stressed out. I want you to know that you are not alone and it is okay to ask for help if you feel like you need it. But definitely follow the strategies and tips that Dr. Scott has laid out before you because they really do make a difference. And if you can just start small, you're gonna see that that makes a huge impact if you stay consistent.
2: I agree. I, I can't agree more with you. That's absolutely true.
0: Well, there you have it. Simple strategies that you can start doing today that will help you manage stress and anxiety in your special ed classroom. I hope all of this helps you to survive and thrive in special ed. Drop a comment below and let me know which tip you're going to start doing today. And if you liked this video, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe so you don't miss any future videos where we help you learn tips, tricks, and strategies to survive and thrive in special ed. Teaching special ed is hard, but you can do this. Just remember to stay strong and teach on. Alright y'all, this was Ayo here with Noodle Nook and I will see you next time.